With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is not too late to make a New Year's resolution, even if it's no longer the time when people are saying Happy New Year, especially if you're looking to get fit and have nutrient-dense food that's going to give you energy without a bunch of sugar, salt, fat, and processed stuff that just doesn't serve your body well. And one way to do that is with home delivery of Factor chef-prepared meals. Fuel up fast with ready-to-eat nutritious meals delivered straight to your door, leaving you time and energy to tackle everything on your to-do list, and you don't have to cook before you settle in to watch wrestling during the week. Achieve and maintain your 2023 goals with Factor. It is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, Start saving time, eating well, and living your best year yet. You've heard me talk about these before, I suspect, and I order Factor Meals on my own, whether they sponsor the show or not. I'm a believer in these meals. Sometimes I'm just too busy to cook, even though I like to cook, but I know when I'm eating good food, and it's so nice knowing those Factor Meals are in the refrigerator, fresh, never frozen, with whole food, healthy ingredients, ready to be microwaved in just over two minutes, and I'm eating. I don't have to wait 45 minutes for delivery and pay a tip. And frankly, so often that delivered food is full of fat, it's deep fried. You're not going to get that with Factor Meals. With 34 chef-prepared, dietitian-approved weekly options, there's always something new to try. Head to factormeals.com slash wade50. That's a new website and a new code this month. Head to factormeals.com slash wade50 and use code wade50 to get this is clever, 50% off your first box. That's code WADE50 to get 50% off at factormeals.com slash WADE50. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans for the week of Monday, March 6, 2023. As always, I am your host, Robert Vios, and I'm joined by my tag team partner, movie theater Monsi, Rick Monsi. Rick, how's it going? Going pretty good. How are you doing today, Robert? I'm doing fantastic. A big UFC event last night, big AEW here in a couple of hours, so I'm in, I'm in my zone. Yeah, it's a really good weekend. And for me, we were talking about it off air, but I'm going to a movie theater to see each event. So it feels like I'm going out and it's a special occasion, mm-hmm. like little mini Broadway shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, you know, we, we talk uh, all the time about, you know, the future of media and stuff. And I, I've heard this theory that uh, movie theaters are kind of going to replace Broadway as like as they become more expensive, but also more niche with different interests. Like you're and right. I think I think of you and like that is you are kind of treating it like a like a Broadway uh a Broadway show. Well, in the Regal Cinemas that show, I got AMC sometimes shows UFC, but Regal Cinema has been really aggressive about covering most big tentpole MMA and wrestling events. And at least in Los Angeles, the Regals, they've totally redone them and they look like like theater play theaters mm-hmm. almost. The one I went to in North Hollywood, which is not the best area, was amazing. They didn't have posters on the wall. They had digital posters that moved and stuff. And it just, the, the it was the biggest theater screen I've ever watched a UFC event on. It was huge. And I do think that is where the, like I said, that Broadway prediction kind of plays out as you're saying, because it's more of a luxury experience when, like when we were kids, it was because we had five extra bucks. So you were going to the theater. And now I think the theater is kind of morphing into what, what you're saying there. Yeah, I think so too. Do they do WWE events? Um, they also? don't. Yeah, no, they don't. Yeah, I wonder if it's... I think it's pay-per-view. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it has to do with the interest. Not that WWE doesn't have interest, but I feel like, yeah, the Peacock thing does affect it. But pay-per-views, and because they do boxing as well. So I think if they can make money off of it and charge 25 bucks Mm -hmm. a ticket, they will. But they couldn't do that really for WWE. You don't think so in LA? I mean, I, I... You think people would pay yeah. to go see in the movie theater? Yeah. Maybe. Now, no, here's the thing. It's not every show. That's probably like, even AEW when they're cold, they only have four pay-per-views yeah, a year. I mean, so, I would so they feel like events. Both, I'd pay for both nights at WrestleMania to watch them in a movie theater. It'd be yeah. fun too because then everybody just comes back to their seats the next day and we all kind of like, went through like, the same Yeah, experience. some people go out, go out with each other that night, hook up, and it's awkward the next day. It'd be great. Oh, that would be some ugly babies. That crowd, <laughs> hook it up. <laughs> There would be some deep foreheads in that gene pool. Jeez. Uh, the, the picture of, of good looks himself, Rick Monsi, laying down the hammer there. That is, That's uh, right. I'm, you're, he's you in know, that crowd. Yeah, he's in that yeah, crowd. I'm yeah. into body shaming. I, I, this is a blame the victim sort of crowd right here. <laughs> um, 
All right. So before we get too far off track, I do want to let everyone know you can get in on the conversation. You can body shame us. We have photos up on the PW Torch website. I am more bald now than I was in that photo. Just keep that in mind. Rick has fluctuated in weight. Also keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. MMA livecast at gmail.com. MMA L-I-V-E. C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Well, instead of talking about a movie theater podcast, let's go ahead and talk about an event that actually happened in an arena last night, Rick. As we are recording this after UFC 285, but before AEW's Revolution pay-per-view. Um, so we're in we're in the Sunday kind of mode. So that's where we're coming off of. Rick has seen everything in movie theaters. I'm seeing everything in the comfort of my living room, and that's how we are experiencing this. But last night, we had a heck of an experience. We have a new heavyweight champion and it is one Mr. Jonathan Dwight Jones. John Jones is the undisputed, although there are some disputes about it, heavyweight champion, defeating Cyril Gaon in two minutes and four seconds with the guillotine. They stood and traded for a little bit, a little bit of a shoot by John Jones, and it didn't look like it was super deep and super locked in to the point where, you know, Cormier was saying on the broadcast, like, why did he tap? What's going on there? And then you sell the replay, and he was just kind of wide, so it didn't look like it was super tight. But he had that that front facing guillotine locked in pretty hard. It was a uh, a flabbier John Jones, as to be expected. Which it's not like he looked like bad, like he, he didn't look out of shape or anything. It was just different than seeing him because normally he is kind of carved out almost with like a WWE styled body. So that was different. But overall, John Jones looked very good in the short amount of time we saw him in the octagon. And just like that, what a weird world we're living in that John Jones is the heavyweight champion of the UFC. Rick, your thoughts on all of that? Yeah, it really felt like a celebration when he won. Everybody seemed happy with him. We all just want to celebrate John Jones. We're all kind of tired of the baggage and want to get past that. There's been a decent amount of separation as far as time goes from a lot of those events. And just seeing him back there with the dad bot, I actually think that helped with people liking him for some reason. It made him more of a real person in some ways. He just kind of had that build where it's like not dad, john jones bod really but more just older mature john jones and he just seemed more like a real person out there and he just seemed very excited in his post-fight interview too he sounded like he was 12 years old just the excitement he had in his voice now there was a big after party so and so far i haven't uh -oh. heard any news <laughs> yeah they said that there was a billboard advertising the after party with john jones uh, in the vegas strip and dana white was like oh no really he told hunter campbell to get a private jet to fly him back to Albuquerque that night. But <laughs> I, I, I had a really good feeling after the fight, just it made me feel warm and fuzzy because I was with my friend Dante and I was talking to him about how it just felt like John Jones had never been a bigger star than when he was giving that post fight interview. This is like the peak John Jones. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it, it is, um, because there hasn't really ever been a peak because his whole career has been a peak. So there hasn't been a, if that makes any sense. Um, and he's also not a guy that you you feel very empathetic towards generally. Um, he has kind of seemingly like every advantage a UFC fighter could ever have. So it's not exactly like an under underdog story. You're more watching him for the precision and the, and the greatness uh, last night though, if something something felt a little bit different, I, I will I will agree with you on that. It felt he felt human actually, and that and that's what I think about when I think of John Jones as far as a criticism of him. That's not necessarily related to his legal trouble. Um, he seems so fake all the time. He seems so phony. the The early goody goody guy seemed like an act, an act. The uh, the mid career like kind of want to be gangster despite all his trouble also kind of seemed like an act. 
he seemed much more normal last night um, than I had ever seen him, and I, I think that's my translation as of yours of the of the dad bod style. Um, we've had these feelings before with John Jones too, though. I, I want to say I I, I kind of think like after he beat DC in in 2017, it felt like okay things are back on track. We're we're in the Jones era. Here we go. So it seems like we've been there a couple of times. This though was a was an extra accomplishment, I think. Whereas since since the guy's been 23 years old, we have thought about him as at least the best of the UFC, but for sure the best in his division. Like regardless, we know he is the best. So there hasn't been a lot of mountains to climb, only mountains that he has created. So this was like an extra challenge. So it felt like an accomplishment. It felt like you actually watched someone go through a journey and complete that journey and sit out for three years like he said he was going to do. And he actually came in and, and did it. And it was just, it was a different type of John Jones after the fact too. It wasn't the... Uh, it didn't seem like John Jones is working any angle other than trying to get Stipe in a fight, which that's just part of the game. So there was no, uh, there was less of that facade that I normally uh, see with John Jones. And hopefully, you know, hopefully it stays. Hopefully John Jones can be celebrated. He still has plenty of time left in his career, but it is shrinking. But, you know, guys fight into their 40s, especially someone like him with the physical gifts that he has. He can do this for a long time if he keeps his head screwed on right. And let's face it, a little bit of a star gap in the UFC right now, like pretty significant. If there was ever a time where he could kind of have the sport all to himself with respect, obviously, to McGregor, who's coming back this year, but McGregor's almost outside of the UFC. This would be a heck of a time for him to, to seize on that on that momentum. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Daily Cast listeners, thank you, first of all, for streaming the shows. Be sure you're subscribing. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to pro wrestling podcasts. But while you're at it, if you're not yet, please subscribe to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Search Wade Keller and see two logos pop up, a blue one and a red one. The red logo, the post shows, cover Raw and SmackDown each week with a fast turnaround time of a couple hours after the show's end. And also, every Saturday, we present a flashback to our analysis from five years ago that week, covering Raw. Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net joins me, and we analyze what happened on Raw five years ago. So check out that time capsule every weekend. 
The Blue Logo Show features the Thursday flagship, plus our first-run interviews, our classic interviews, and our mailbag segments. So, again, search Wade Keller and click subscribe to both the Red Logo and the Blue Logo. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I agree with all that. And this is the perfect time to strike. I, my Dante pointed out when we were watching it, Dante was like, has he fought since COVID? And I was thinking about it. I was like, man, no, there, I don't think he has. I, I think every time he's fought, there's been an audience in the arena. So it's just been a crazy long time since we've had him and seen him. And it almost like when you see him, it reminds you of that other generation from mm-hmm. 2017 or 2016 and everything like that. So brings back those warm, fuzzy feelings. And with all that being said, Dana did put this very well in the post-fight interview. People were like, ah, Stipe's next, right? And they interviewed Stipe. Megan Olivi did afterwards when the pay-per-view was winding down and they showed Stipe split screen and John Jones called Stipe. And it seems like all directions are pointing that way. But Dana kind of pumped the brakes a little bit. He's like, yeah, we like to make that fight. We don't know exactly when it would be. But if that fight never happens, I just want to be happy with what we got to see. And I feel like I'm so glad that we got this chance. And I'm there with Dana. It it goes to what I always say, just enjoy this moment and really just soak it in. It's kind of like Sami Zayn, Roman Reigns, that match we had. It's just like, this could be it. I know the Stipe fight mm-hmm. in many ways is much more interesting. It's arguably the best heavyweight versus the best in the world but that could not happen because we never know what's going to happen a couple days after a john jones fight a couple weeks and there's so many things that we have had as far as example a b3 c through d and f and g of what happens with john jones when we have one of these moments like you said the second time you beat dc it seemed like we were in the same situation so i don't want to be too much of a pessimist but let's all just kind of enjoy this and not think about necessarily his next opponent, um, if he'll be the ch- heavyweight champion for a while. This could be it. This one fight, and he might not be a heavyweight champ 
in about a month or two and he won't even be involved in a fight. He could get stripped for whatever reason. I just like, I'm going to enjoy this. This isn't a capsule in some ways. And if this is the end of his career, it's a good way to go out in the octagon. I just don't know what's going to happen outside the cage. You can never predict it with him. No, no, you really can't. So you always have to, to asterisk it there. I will say, though, on the future fights, I, I know the Steep is like the biggest fight I think they can make if, if you know, there's no Engano is not a possibility. And yeah, Steep is just about as big as you can get. With that said, I kind of think for a little while, if he wants to stay like active as a champion, every one of those fights will feel big until we get used to him being a heavyweight. So even against a, a sort of run-of-the-mill heavyweight challenger, I think they'll feel like massive fights. So I, I hope there's not just a ton of pressure just to make the CBIT fight. Now, there might be a ton of pressure if that's going to be your biggest payday. So I understand all parties wanting to make that happen. I mean, I don't think Stipe would have been in Vegas had there not been, you know, some some plans to at least go that direction. But as you said, we we never, never know a John Jones. But I think even the regular John Jones heavyweight title fights will have a little bit of a novelty for at least like the first two. Especially, um, yeah, after yeah. this one, we never really got to see it. We, right. We, we got instantly... Cyril Gunn kicked him in the nuts. And then after that, we had two minutes where Jones and him exchanged some strikes and leg kicks. And then Jones just took him down and submitted him. Like we almost saw nothing. <laughs> and so while it was a good win, a domino win, I didn't feel like I thought initially I was going to be disappointed with how quick it went and everything. But you just couldn't help but get carried away with just how dominant well, it of was a win. It was impressive. Yeah. It was, it was impressive. so impressive. But. I, I think there's still a lot of room. There's still a lot of questions about the heavyweight John Jones. We didn't really see him take a punch or anything like that. And we couldn't see if he was slower, faster, really, because it was just a lot of people. Some people are saying he looked a little slower in his reactions. It was like it's just the beginning of the fight. Yeah. Well, Jones isn't a go out there and kill you kind of fighter either. He never right. really has been. Like he has a lot of early finishes, but they're. He never gets the credit for how strategic he is. I don't think he's ever quite got that credit because he also has the best set of physical attributes that we've ever seen in the sport. So he doesn't get credit for that, and he often does that. And I had a similar feeling, like, as he was walking up, and we'll talk about the walk-up and the toe thing and all that, because everything was leading for this to be a disaster until it wasn't in, in those moments. But uh, putting that aside, I was you know, I was just thinking about you know Holloway and, and Poirier and stuff, and I was just wondering, what if, what if this is a disaster? You know, you know, Cyril Gunn's a bad dude. I know he's not the most exciting fighter, but he's a he's a tough guy. Like I was thinking, this could go really bad. This could be really, really bad, and this could look really, really sad. And then I still think that's a possibility. Like if they fought tomorrow, I still think that would have been a possibility. But John Jones just kind of ended any possible speculation about how this could go. So that's why I think the generic fights um, can still be interesting because we still just don't know. You know, can he? Can he hit Curtis Blades and Curtis Blades will go down? Yes, I'm hyping up Curtis Blades being in a high-profile fight because I think it would be at least somewhat interesting uh, regardless of who the alternate would be. Rick, though, were you getting that same vibe whenever they were cutting the, the tape off of his toes? I was scared, and then, yeah. And then, he, and then he got kicked in the groin to start the fight. And like, yeah, oh, this, no. this felt like a disaster, didn't it? <laughs> For a yeah, minute. it sounded like later. It, it, I had the same feeling we used to say when Anderson Silva would fight later in his career. Something mm -hmm. weird and bad is going to happen. And mm -hmm. Yoel Romero had those same things, too, where they just their fights were jinxed. And right away, right when the, the Siragon kicking him in the testicles was the biggest anticlimactic thing that could have started a fight. And it made you just really be over Cyril even more than you already kind of were. Cyril <laughs> walks to the octagon and he looks so sleepy and it just doesn't ever seem like he really wants it and his fighting style can be so tentative. I'm not a big fan of his 
And for this to be the way he loses, there couldn't be less enthusiasm in his career right now. Like it's ridiculous. And I just, I, we're talking about John Jones a lot, but I think the other half of the equation where everybody gave him a chance. And like you said, they could fight tomorrow and he would have a chance, but man, and I know he's disappointed in his own performance, but I don't think he's ever going to get a title shot again. And if he does, it's got to be a while from now. Mm-hmm. He's kind of that Max Holloway gatekeeper status, right? He'll, but he's almost too good to be that. So yeah. Cause, because I mean, I think he's not right now, but like, Outside of Engano and Jones, I still kind of think he's the best in the world, but he's missed his opportunity at both of those guys. But and he same... had un- really underwhelming fights with both of them. Right. From and it... His performance. He yeah. made the other guys look really good. Right, right. I mean, he, he got out wrestled by both of them. I mean, John Jones, world class wrestler, but I mean, the other guy is a hands of stone kind of guy. You would think uh, he'd be able to neutralize that. Um, I-, I wonder if Gone, though, there can be a little bit of a rebuild just because he was kind of fast tracked. Remember, he was like fighting on the first fight of the of the night, and then he beat JDS, and all of a sudden he was in the title picture. That right. that kind of happens um, at heavyweight. So I, I I think his career can kind of be salvaged. I'm with you though of like, I just kind of don't consider him when I think about the elites of the sport. Um, and it, it just has it has more to do with the fact that um, it just doesn't really click in that way. Like I can acknowledge that he's good, but at heavyweight, if you're not if you're not someone that's taking everyone out, it's really hard to watch your fights. And it's just, it's just a fact of, I think at the lighter weight classes, you can be a little more of a conventional or boring fighter and you'll have a little more intrigue than you will be in the heavyweight division. Cause the heavyweight division, we want, we want hammers coming down. Yeah, no. And it just, this, he got squashed basically. Mm-hmm. And it made, and it made it look as if you brought your girlfriend to this fight or a friend who didn't watch it. Like the UFC didn't even try yeah. and they did, they really did try, but that's how bad Sirogan looked in this fight. You can support us on Patreon and get these shows with ads and plugs removed. The Weight Killer Processing Podcast, Weight Killer Processing Post Shows, and the PW Torch Daily Cast throughout the week with ads and plugs removed, plus a few bonus VIP shows throughout the month for just $4.99 a month. Check it out, patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. And you can also upgrade to other tiers and receive even more benefits through Patreon. Well, and it's it's surprising too because you could I didn't see any uh, backlash towards this. I think people were genuinely, and not even from a superficial way, but I think people were genuinely just like, oh, that's you know good for John Jones that he was able to do that. Because I think any other any other situation, everyone would just be claiming that it was rigged or that it was just like that's what I paid for. When when in reality, though, I think the UFC did a good enough job of establishing like you know Jones as this sort of goat figure. So it's just it's one of the, it's the greatest of all time putting another chapter in his book. So we're right. able to accept that um, it, there could have been other situations like, I don't know, say Tai Tuavasa would have just done this exact thing to to gone. And we would be thinking like, God, that was cheap. Yeah, I, I think the greatness, like you said, just seeing greatness perform and everything like that was a big thing. And it was funny, not that I know anything about football, but Tom Brady was there right? Yeah, yeah and, go, go to go there. Yeah. yeah, and it just it felt like with all the celebrities there, and I know that there's often celebrities in the crowd and different champions and everything. It just felt like like Islam Makachev was there, mm. all these different UFC fighters, Courtney Conor Kardashian Mc- and Travis Barker. Cor- Conor McGregor was in mm-hmm. the crowd. Michael like, how Chandler. often is Conor Greg- McGregor in the crowd of any UFC well, event? Well, it, it felt like it felt like they were promoting Conor and Chandler through that. Like, this was a big enough event too. 
that like they could actually promote Connor and Chandler as an avenue for it. Like it was big enough. Yeah. It was big enough for that. It's, it's the first big, we talked about it last week. This is the first big night in a long time. Yeah, it felt like a WrestleMania in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It, it just, it felt like a big event and it felt like they were all there to kind of see the John Jones. And John Jones has morphed into Anderson Silva mm-hmm. as he, far as the most impressive, dominant, it's, it's the a goat. spectacle, like a spectacle. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree with that um, entirely. Hopefully, and hopefully he can seize that momentum because as you said, it. Uh, this could be his Shawn Michaels second part of his career for sure. There's a lot of parallels there. You know, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of parallels. Um, all right. So that's, that was maybe the most significant thing that happened the night, but there was also another pretty significant event ha- that happened last I'm night. Shocked by this. I was too. I was too. Um, we had trouble breaking down the women's flyweight title match. I felt like last week. My, my I just gen- didn't think Alex Grasso had a, an inkling of a chance. I, I didn't either. But at the same time, as I told you, I don't think I would give a chance to anyone. Like I didn't even think she was a worthy contender, but I don't know. They could have produced one in that division. Um, and and as it was as it was happening, I was kind of contrasting like GSP to to Alexa Grasso. I was thinking, I mean, to uh, to Valentina. I was like, how come GSP fights were were thought to be more interesting, even though like they weren't actually great fights? But why did he come across as such a star even then? And I was thinking, well, because his fights actually had to be fought, even though he was dominant in them. Like the fights still had to occur. It wasn't just him blowing people out. Or them just being in a super deep freeze and they were boring the way some of Valentina's fights are. With that said, I, I really just did not think that Grasso um, had much of a chance here. And to be honest, as, as the fight was going on, it, it still felt like Valentina was the much more superior fighter. However, it just took that one moment. It took that one moment to 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 get her back and to, to start laying in that choke. And uh, all of a sudden, it was in. And, and you kind of knew it when she had it. I felt like yeah. the before even the commentator noticed. I'm not saying the commentator did bad at it. I I just think like even before they said, oh, she's not really no. Like like she was in. Like that was a ton of pressure. That was a ton of strength that was being provided. And and uh, you just kind of knew Valentina couldn't hang on to that much longer. And Alexa Grasso is the champion overcoming. It's been noted before, like cyborg type odds, as we always talking about. A lot of people are making this comparison to maybe like a Matt Sarah moment. Um, we said it would happen eventually. We we didn't know when. Here it is, but we'll see. You know, is it Matt Sarah? Is it um, Juliana Pena, or is it a true? Or is it Amanda Nunez? You know, is it a true change in the guard? Um, we'll have to see. I still generally favor Valentina, just off of reputation. Um, but this was this was big. Like I think this division needed even even for Valentina just to regain the title would still be something of interest in that division. A little bit of vulnerability at the top because for as dominant as she is, I just can't think of a champion I kind of think less about, that I'm less interested in her right. defending her title. That's that's what it is. It's not really about star power and all that. And I think it goes back a to the GSP. A little bit, but I think it goes back to the GSP point because I don't necessarily think like Kamara Usman is interesting or his fights are very good, but I am super interested in the outcomes of his fights. Whereas Valentina, I think I share a little less of that um, of that. So now this this adds just you know a little something to her career, which has been at a very high level, but at a level for so long. So at least we have something in uh, in women's flyweight. Alexa Grasso was over the moon. I can't blame her. I mean, she was yeah. one of the biggest underdogs. You just won a million dollars from you know. <laughs> yeah, like like heck yeah, I'm gonna be over the moon too if I was in her position. So this is, I mean, this was significant here. Right? It was a good feeling, and even Shevchenko just didn't seem to be she was ups, disappointed but not upset i i feel like it was a celebration that i took video of she got of, beat like she just knew it i got beat. yeah yeah 
I took video of the reaction in the movie theater. I'm in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. There's a lot of Hispanic uh, people there, and they blew up behind me. And the, the, there was a guy next to me who was wasted, and he was just so excited. And it was just a huge celebration. And almost as big, probably bigger than the John Jones went to. John Jones one was a shock, and people were just in disbelief. But Alexa Grasso winning was like, at least in my theater, like a hometown hero winning. Oh, wow. And I think after being somewhat dominated in the fight mm-hmm. and the previous three rounds while getting some strikes in there, just no one had any hope she was going to win. Mm-hmm. And then for her to win like that, it was just it was just pure excitement from everybody. And for me, I was like, okay, cool. Because uh, I'm not a big Shevchenko fan. I just think that her style can be interesting, but it could also be very boring. It just depends on the person she fights. And when she comes back, I haven't i think it's going to be kind of like a nunez sort of rematch with, with julia pena where she just comes and dominates grasso and grasso mm-hmm. doesn't have that chance or that moment to snatch it on because i didn't see anything in there that would make her competitive if shevchenko didn't give her her head yeah and if she doesn't do that she wins so. yeah over that one mistake i mean and 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 you know to be fair to Alexa grasso that's what you got to do right if yeah you, if, if if the advantage is there you have to take it uh when it's there but yeah I, like and this is unfair we do this always to fighters who upset the other opponent you don't believe they're the best until like they have to do it at least one more time um because there's you know there's a whole history there of someone else being very good yeah. and very dangerous but Agrasa just hasn't looked like the best in her previous fights either. Just because you win true. one fight doesn't make you the best, even if it's against Shevchenko. You you got to do what Shevchenko did and win multiple fights impressively and dominantly. Mm-hmm. So right yeah. now she's not the best. It, it, she's, it's different than like someone like an Oliveira that doesn't hold the title, but you can act, you know you yeah. can say he's in the mix of of the best. You know, Shevchenko is still the best, but Grasso and Grasso said she's been so dominant. Of course, she gets a rematch now. All this, and I said this before the fight. To Dante, I was just like, this just, I just want Grasso to win so I can get my Mexico card. It's building, it's building momentum, Rick. It's building momentum. We, had, we have three, 30 people with belts right now, right? Yeah, it's so funny. I was in the hallway walking in the bathroom between fights and there's these 20 year old guys who are all talking to each other. And it's weird being a pack theater of fellow MMA fans. I feel like I can't find any of them at my work on like set. In or the anywhere. wild. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm in a room full of them. It's just so weird. And one of them was talking to the other one. They obviously had tricks. They're like, yeah, now Grasso is the second Mexican champ we have right now. I was like third. And they're like, what? Who's the third? And I was like, interim champ. They're like, oh, right. And I walked off and I could hear one of them going, who's that guy? <laughs> Wow, like, so they, they had no idea they were in the presence of a, of a real MMA podcaster. Yeah, <laughs> how lucky they should have felt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I think obviously, yeah, you can, you know, you can build a card out there. You could even build with with a division that I don't think you necessarily need to put their title fights on pay per view too. You could build a big fight night out of it too. You could build a big fight night out of the rematch. If, that, and that's probably that's what's what going to happen if you can't get the pay per view going because mm-hmm. I'm sure there are things that are going on in Mexico, whether it be with the government or just the cities and stuff like holding events, they just seem to be really tentative about going there. Mm. Whether And it could be sometimes the elevation, like the Mexico City one was weird because of that both times. And mm. so I just, I feel like in COVID aside, they haven't gone back to Canada in a long time either, but uh, or Toronto, but I feel like there's a reason why they're not going back with, even with all these champions. And, um, because they haven't announced anything or any plans. And 
maybe it would be easier to do a fight night in a smaller event in an area that's easy to get to that doesn't doesn't have a high elevation and that would be perfect like you said have Shevchenko and Grasso be the main event and Moreno and just have them fight on different cards LA and Vegas basically serve as satellite Mexico cards anyways Need an extra dose of positivity in your wrestling podcasts? Well, come join me, Alan Forel, over in the Pro Rest Paradise at Peter Torch VIP as we bask on the bright side of wrestling and focus on some of the great matches and shows from around the world, be it the US, Japan, Europe, or Mexico. There's always a place for wrestling's past in the paradise too, and we've done fun historical shows such as the We Love Liger series, celebrating the glorious career of Jushin Thunder Liger, and our I Was There When shows, where a guest will join me to talk about a classic bout that they were in attendance for. We love variety, and you can expect lots of it at the Pro Rest Paradise. Detailed PWF Torch VIP subscription information and a list of all the VIP benefits is available at pwtorchvipinfo.com. And yes, all VIP podcasts are compatible with popular podcast apps on iPhone and Android devices. Or you can stream them directly from our ad-free VIP mobile site. See you in the paradise. Uh, well, I see, I, and I was going to say, LA, Vegas, Phoenix, or um, and certain and 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 certain Texas cities, um, I think would all it would work um, for for all of them if if they couldn't get into into Mexico proper. You could do. I just remember them. All those I places. didn't. I wasn't a fan of the Mexico crowd throwing bottles and stuff. Remember the fight night? That's yeah. one of the last times they were there. That, that might be something too to it. Like I don't remember that happening anywhere mm. else in the current UFC. Yeah. So era. Might, yeah, you might have an issue where fighters don't want to go over there either. You know, it might not be easy to just get a fight booked over there. Um, yeah, because when's the last time you can remember that actually happening? I feel like that's. I mean, so, so people throw stuff every now and then, but it's it's not, not like at a, the octagon. It, well, though. it's not. A, it's not. They'll, they'll throw stuff at a fighter when they're coming like back up and right. down. You see that, but that's like one drunk guy usually versus you had the whole crowd, the whole arena. Yeah, yeah, that was that was bad. And yeah. so they might still have a bad taste in their mouth about that, and, but nobody wants to say something like that because it could come off as maybe not politically or um, acceptable. But well, I think it's it's like soccer culture, honestly is is what that is because that stuff happens more and like 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 soccer is a much more intense sport though than like anything we're used to dealing with in the u.s and i think yeah. that's that's you know more similar to the behavior but it's not only that because i mean they the ufc performs in a lot of places where soccer is the biggest uh thing but I, i'm saying that that's not as uncommon but i can see a bit of thing where fighters also would would not want to do that the the event you know what I want to take place. But again, from a monetary perspective, I still think you can take advantage, like, you know, put it in Southern California and, uh, and you could still, you could be do fine. You, do you think there's an issue with them not being able to make as much money at the gate and a concern that they're going to outprice the market? Possibly. Because they change, they charge a lot mm, well, for I, these Vegas cards. Like I know, a lot. I know that's an issue of why, um, young wrestling prospects would rather go to Japan than Mexico, even though Mexico has a you know much closer proximity and you know other ways culturally a lot similar to the United States. Right. Be- just because the, the economy is so poor over there, it, it's right. it's hard it's hard for even, even the, both of us who live in states that that border the country. It's hard to really conceptualize just how much money isn't flowing um, in there, and and so just your your overall quality of life. Um, 
can tend to um to decrease if you're not one of like the richest people in the world, which also happens to live in Mexico. Some of the richest people in the world do live there. It's part of the inequity that, uh, that occurs down there. But no, I definitely think that could be a factor, especially now, as you're saying too, where the, the gates have gone up like significantly, like they break gate records all the time because a, they don't have a ton of shows anymore. So they actually created a scarcity, I think for the live version of the product and B just like any events, they just charge a whole ton. Now like, that's something all these companies figured out a few years ago that you could just charge a bazillion dollars for any event and people will basically go. But if you have an area, as you're saying, that's that economically depressed, that maybe isn't even a big candidate for a fly-in crowd that, you know, there's, there's things to be considered for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of violence in seasonally in Mexico. It seems like too, because didn't El Chapo's son like get captured in this huge, like, melee and they were telling people not to go there a little while ago this is like a month and a half ago and stuff so you just it's also hard to put something in some area mm -hmm. and then for violence to happen well and i think it's a little bit different than like brazil where it's also a very violent nation and a, you know like you know one of the most dangerous cities uh in the world rio is but there is some political favorability that i think the ufc gets over there um yeah. so that's that's um that's a little bit ufc is kind of actually part of the culture over there in, in some ways right exactly and and they have a majority of a lot of fighters from there and everything like that mm -hmm. and there seems to be a you said the culture and stuff. I wonder if in Brazil it's taken a little bit more seriously. I I, I think so. Um, I think so. And and this, the sports is not that popular in Mexico. Period. Like that's part of the significance of getting these uh, these Mexican-born fighters because it's that's that's boxing territory. That is that is boxing territory, um, fully. And uh, and and they they definitely set the contrast there. Um, it also have the the kid too, huh? Like the the high school kid. He could be on that card as well. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make him the main event of the fight night. I don't care. Yeah. Um, okay. Or let's, main event. Uh, oh yeah, we had a really good fight before this, by the yes, way. Yes, we did. Uh, we had a murderous fight here with Jeff Neal and Shavakat Rachmanov. Now this was a a situation where Jeff Neal kind of fell for him, man, because he he missed weight. Uh, and he he looked like it whenever he he got to the got to the octagon. Jeff Jeff Neal's a very dangerous dude, but he looked like a very normal dude um, for when like physically like his appearance looked very normal. He his was fighting face fairly too. Well, but he yeah, always... he just he just like you talk about like the dad bod thing. Like he he really had that going. Like John Jones in a set of clothes looks like an elite professional athlete, even with <laughs> with his flab. Yeah, Jeff Neal just kind of kind of didn't look at me while uh, Rachmanov looked every bit of the killer that he is he is billed uh, to be. And he gets the rear naked choke in the third round with uh, four seventeen. This was this was brutal. This was this is brutal in several ways. It was a hell of a fight. It was just it wasn't necessarily back and forth. It felt like Rachmanov was in control and Neal needed to just press on the gas a little bit more, but it was perfect because he kind of was a punching bag for Rachmanov, but lots he would of, still throw dangerous counters. Yeah, lots of chin from Neal. That's what you could say that for him. Well, Rachmanov too. He he yeah. got hit with some hard shots. So Neal was selective with his shots, but when he did connect, you're like, wow. And a lot of people are saying this is the Burns Chamayev fight where mm -hmm. it, it was the coming out party, like a hardened veteran who would just wouldn't go down and the young prospect against him ironically in welterweight as well a little disrespectful to gilbert burns i'm just saying like a yeah. little bit but Je you know. jeff neil's not exactly what no he's was. not good no but but it's you the know what, but, but, yeah. but rockmanoff is not chamayev yet either true, true, true. so this is kind of like the value you know what what do we say the store value the yeah dollar saver great value yeah, the, yeah. The, this is uh this is gilbert burns and chamayev at 
we have them at home version. Yeah. But still, I think Rachmanov, people are saying he probably won't have fine Chemayev in the future. Like, this mm-hmm. guy is also going to be that dominant, that elite. And now that I think Chemayev is basically going to be a middleweight from now on, he's probably not going back down to 170, you can have this guy at welterweight and Chemayev at middleweight. That will be really interesting going forward in the future. And this guy can crack, too. He's not yeah. just one of these wrestler guys. Don't you like being in this era where all these like uh, mysterious foreign guys are just like super dangerous? Yes. Like this, we have we have one in, like every division. <laughs> this is another conversation me and Dante were having. I was like, why is it that Chemayev and I'm sorry, Rachmanov and Jeff Neal are both in the same division, different ages and everything, but just Rachmanov seems just so much more serious about this sport. And Chemayev was like this to me to a certain extent, but then he missed weight, kind of is becoming a bad guy of a video game sort of personality but he seems like the spoiled kid now that was given everything yeah yeah he's got the diaz thing going a little bit but rockmanov just feels like and we had this conversation that i thought was dante made a good point where just like people from these other countries don't really have the privileges that we have in the united states and it makes them a little harder like hard-edged and not as soft as some of us. So you had Jeff Neal walking in the octagon, and for whatever reason, he missed weight by five pounds and looking soft, as Joe Rogan said. Then you got Rachmanov coming on, and, and he just looks like he was cut out of granite, and he hasn't had any fun in three years. And he just <laughs> was so serious, scary serious. And I think there's something to that. A lot of the time we see these people, even like people from Poland or people from these different countries that not, aren't necessarily a bad place to grow up, but they just are so dead serious about the sport in comparison mm-hmm. to some of their American competitors. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, it feels like produces a lot. quality sometimes. Yeah, um, in in America, it's it's more of a choice. Not not to say these guys were like forced into MMA, but some um, of the Dagestani guys are. Yeah, yeah, they are. But like, it feels like the the um, the the path to to change your circumstance through MMA is a lot more relevant. Um, I think than. Uh, because there's just so much, so many more opportunities in America, period. You know what I mean? They're, they're just, those things um, exist. Do you remember when Hulk Hogan shocked the world and formed the New World Order? Or when Stone Cold Steve Austin passed down on the sharpshooter to Bret the Hitman Hart? I'm Torch contributor Frank Pettiani, and I've reviewed these shows and many more for my exclusive VIP podcast, Pro Wrestling Then and Now. Together with a rotating chair of co-hosts, we go back 10, 20, even 30 years, review pay-per-views from top to bottom, talk about where the wrestlers were at the time, and compare what took place then to what is taking place now. You get exclusive access to these and other podcasts as part of your PW Torch VIP membership, which is compatible with the Apple Podcasts app. Visit pwtorch.com slash govip for details and sign up for them. And th- you got, but you, then you got people like I heard Jamie Pickett in an interview. He's like, you know, if it, it was either MMA or I would end up dying, like my best friend did, who got shot and this and that. And I just think you could say, well, there's that part of the American life where, sure. but I just don't think it's the same. I think there is still something different from how some of these guys, like in Dagestan, or even maybe I don't really know his background, but Rachmanov, how these guys grew up, and it wasn't necessarily to get out of trouble that they had been in or had been around, but it was just literally to excel and be the best in this competitive nature. Well, and usually there's a, there's an element of being like the, you know, the, 
the the one guy that has this opportunity too. I think that's that's like the difference too. Um, it's not a neighborhood behind you. It's a country. There, there's a, there, yeah. There's a lot of um, a lot of great athletes in American sports. Just period. Um, so the and it, it's like I, and I don't doubt that that doesn't hold. Where you know there, it, sports are definitely an avenue um, for a a better path to the future. I'm not doubting that and saying that's not um, that's not valid. It's a little bit different though when you have to when you have to move countries though to to do so. I think of you know a guy like Nganu who's just on the mind because of heavyweight or um, uh, Usman and, and a lot of these guys. It's a it's a, it's a lot to go through. Yeah, the Dagestani thing's a little bit different because they are they are let's face it also kind of political pawns too in in the whole in the whole structure of it there so they're they're kind of state sponsored so that's a little bit different uh than some of these other guys uh mateus gamarat defeated Jalen turner split decision which i think is like the right yeah. call because that fight was really close it was it was actually very hard to to completely handicap and, and there was it was one of those both guys had like their moments where i thought they were they were kind of winning it um i felt like Jalen turner had a lot more early on and then uh, and then gamarat got better as the fight went on it was an okay fight. I feel like it was a good lead into the Jeff Neal. It's, it's a, fight. as good as a split decision fight could ever be. <laughs> like that was right. as good as, as that as that fight. It was, like I said, it was a very defensible split decision. I felt like. Because How about was, that, that stand up though that the ref did? That was crazy. Oh yeah. So the uh, did this happen in another fight as well? In, in the v- Valentino fight, I, right? Yes. So yeah, this yes, happened there twice. Stand ups, which I don't. Twice. This, you know, I'm okay with, but but these it, situations they were not good either time. Uh, no, tonight, uh, the last night. So, so Valentina, this was the weirdest thing in the Valentina fight. We, we'll go back to this. She was like just working ground and pound, and they stood up, and then she threw in an elbow after the ref stopped her. So <laughs> there was like two things happening at once in that exchange. And this one, yeah, um, it, it just felt like the stopping of action, and in both these situations, the stopping of action benefited the person that was on defense. And I think that was that was the ultimate issue there, um, but they, I mean, uh, Rogan and and uh, and everyone was just they were losing their minds about this in the booth, and I and I and I get it. It's a it's a really weird nuance um, to the sport, and like you said, I don't think it's a bad rule because if they're just like laying there, um, it, it should they should be forced to to force the action. But whatever, they're just kind of working. I I think you have to give them a little bit more leeway than what happened in each one of these situations. And just speaking on a refing thing that we forgot to mention, how about Joe Rogan having to point out to Herb Dean that Rockmanoff didn't have the, the mouthpiece? Mouth yeah, you know, I didn't. I, 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 uh, I was thinking about that too. Yeah, that was just odd um, because I don't think it was something that Herb Dean necessarily failed at, other than not seeing it. Because I think he needs, to, you know, where his eyes need to be. I could understand that not happening, but it, it did go on for a long time without him noticing it until. And he the stepped on it. Pointed out, yeah, the commentators pointed out. So I, well, I don't think that was like a failure by Herb Dean, as far as like a negligent thing. It no. was kind of odd that that it, that it happened that way. I think he did mess up by because he said time, and they set kept the clock rolling. So mm. either that was him or yeah. someone else. But yeah. they were like fishing for a mouthpiece, and you still had forty seconds left, and it was the clock was ticking. I was like, stop the clock. Well, okay, and, and normally the ref almost like bounces with the fighter and throws it in their mouth you know, as they're going. Right. You have that. Uh, he just didn't know where it was. Where is yeah. it? <laughs> Yeah, it was just all confused. It's like they needed someone out there with a flashlight. Well, remember the fight? Was it in Bellator that they lost the mouthpiece in the octagon? In, yeah, in, yeah, in the, or in in the, the cage. The yeah. side, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. And then uh, Bo Nickel over here, John Cena Bo Nickel over here, defeated Jamie Pickett with a arm triangle, arm triangle choke at 254 of the first round. 
the, who knew uh, that that kick he threw that he fell on his butt and embarrassed himself with what probably really motivated him to finish this like <laughs> he's got all this hype he throws a kick he falls for no reason and then he's like i gotta finish this now like i've already been here too long <laughs> um he's 27 i feel like he seems younger doesn't he yeah, I thought he was younger too. You know what? I just realized What's that? there was four submissions on this card and only one split decision. It just didn't feel like these submissions were like, for instance, the the Rockmanoff one. He it was a standing choke with Jeff Neal. It just seemed like a brutal, violent submission. But they were all kind of like guillotine choke all chokes. submissions. Yeah, yeah. So there, there there wasn't any of those like, oh, that was gross kind of choke uh, submissions. That no, uh, that but was... the one Valentina was the one she got with Grasso. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't under the nick, but what, did you see the pictures and did you see the video when she released the choke off Valentina? The above where the choke was happening, her head was red, and then under where the choke was happening, you should look at it. Her face was completely white. So the like there blood, was like blood was being a, cut off. Yeah, to that a clear yeah. colored uh, distinction. It was crazy, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean the Jamie Pick Jamie Pick tapped and he it wasn't under a nick. He was just getting all that head pressure. Yeah. Which you know, compression submissions are a thing. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, I yeah. think we don't we don't see them as much in MMA, probably because of the similarities in size. So one like one guy is usually not a lot stronger uh, than the other guy. Whereas like when Dan Severn is doing it in early UFC, like the other guy's getting even the other guy can have his hand up, and he's still just getting choked out just from like the more anaconda y uh, portion of it. I feel like at least guys know how these feels because these are the ones you give your brother. Mm. or in you know your brother gives to you like you don't mm-hmm. want to choke your brother but yeah. you'll definitely put him in a headlock where you're opening his jaws you're pressing pressure when you it, guys are both like it young can, kids it, it can double as a hug in case your mom comes in so, so yeah no we're just guys. playing around yeah <laughs> yeah um you know who wasn't playing around was your boy cody Garbrandt. he got himself a win or the rare win oh such Kevin a boring Jones. fight <laughs> yeah he said he got a stinger of course after the fight everybody talks about what injuries they had uh-huh. he said he had a stinger in his neck but that being said, his opponent, Trevor Jones, throw what had to be a record low amount of punches. It was just a boring, bad fight. The crowd was booing the whole time. Uh, really bad. Really boring. We did have, though, speaking of foreign guys that are chiseled out of stone, we have our yeah. guy, DDP, taking out, uh, bang, taking out Derek Brunson. Corner stoppage. Brutal. Uh, Brunson, you know, saying on Twitter, thanking everyone for the support. Didn't officially retire, but you, you got to wonder... How much yeah. longer, you know, Brunson's really going to be at? He's been at it for a really long time. Yeah, and with this loss, it probably just he was he had his run earlier and he lost, and it I would I could see it being very deflating. You're taking all this damage, and yet another loss, and mm-hmm. so it could be it for him. Yeah, he had that in like you know late 2019 through 2020. He had that nice little uh, nice yeah, little actually where kind of talking about his him. career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, he's 39, so it's you know maybe it could just be. Uh, just be time. He's, had a, he's he's one of those guys that had a, a pretty good career despite not really ever being like a title guy um, right. or, or really even in that picture. But yeah, for a guy that never reached that level, he had about as good of a career as, as you can have at that pace. Um, Amanda Hibas defeated Vivian Arahu. Uh, you know, as they were probably pretty disappointed that Grasso and Shevchenko made weight. Um, yeah. Mark Andre uh, Barry. Real fast, I really am tired of Amanda Hebus's over over enthusiastic celebration, smiling and jumping up and down like a twelve year old girl. I, am, I say this all the time, Rick. I am shocked you are not all in on these Dagestani boring fighters because they seem to really fit your whole. Conception. I just don't like their fighting style, and there's other things that I just they. 
I'm not super interested in the carbon copy nature of them. They all mm -hmm. have, and I know some of it's. But religious. isn't that what you want though, Rick? Because you don't want any of these fighters to have personalities. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it to, like, like isn't that what you kind of desire? No, I, I like in personalities. I just think that she's incredibly annoying. But you say you say that every time a fighter celebrates. That's what I don't get. Like, so what? But she she's known for her celebrations like no, even yeah i get that but is there a fighter that celebrates that you enjoy their celebrations rick because you seem to be annoyed every time a fighter celebrates so that I'm yeah saying, like, why don't why aren't you more into the dagestani guys because those boars seem right up your alley <laughs> uh yeah i'm trying to think of someone else who like really annoyed me with her over i mean you couldn't stand it when amanda nunez got like the biggest upset oh yeah and she yes her too yes another i don't uh, i think you don't like women celebrating <laughs> that's the truth that's what i'm trying to say rick you don't no, like women not celebrate true. i did like rose thug rose uh when she won her when fight she cried she had to cry she had to cry yes. tears and smile she had to be the precious little one and cry that tears was, and smile. that was a very nice moment so so ladies if you're around rick do not be happy um Anything else? Well, that's not that, that, that's not really an issue <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh, that might be the funniest thing you've ever said on the show. <laughs> Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at pwboom.com. Once again, that's pwboom.com. Um, any on the early prelims? <laughs> yeah, Julian Marquez and Mark Andre Burial had a really good fight. It. Marquez is laying it on Mark on uh, on Barrio early in the first round mm -hmm. and just seemed to be precise, patient, throwing all these combinations. Then when he came out in the second round, in the second round, he was completely depleted. And Barrio, who I guess is known as the battery life or the battery battery bar, just took Marquez out. And Marquez just was exhausted. That's why he lost. It was it was TKO, but it was just due to exhaustion. And then uh, before that, you had. Um, Ian Gary and Song Kinon fighting, and Ian Gary's got all this hype behind him and everything, and he did have a very good finish to the fight, but um, up until then, he got rocked at one point, and then it was kind of back and forth. Ian Gary was finishing people left and right, and his last couple fights in the UFC have come by decision. I feel like the hype has gone down on him a little bit because he was supposed to be just smoking everybody in the welterweight division, kind of a Conor McGregor, Irish, knockout artist guy, and mm -hmm. And it seems like he's going to get there somewhere, but with a finish in this fight, that really helped him, I think. But it still, up until that point, little looked a little dicey. I feel like there's a lot of guys in the welterweight division who are going to give him a lot of trouble. And then um, before that was uh, Mana Martinez and Cameron Samen. Cameron Samen, who's, uh, what was it, South Africa. He's also from, he also trains and he's always fighting on the same cards. It seems like that is DDP does Duplessis and um he had a really really weird fight this is not one that anyone should rewatch, but he won by decision <laughs> but he kicked martinez in the nuts twice in the same round and got a point taken away then he poked martinez in the eyes 
in the third round. It just seemed like he came off as like the dirtiest fighter in the world, and you could tell it was all accidental. But isn't that something when that happens? So when yeah, he's just fouling him left <laughs> and right. He just doesn't have control. He's really young. He just doesn't have control of his uh, outlets. And mm-hmm. Martinez could have easily taken the disqualification or whatever, and he didn't, and he lost. I don't. You know, I applaud him for not doing it, but he might have regretted that decision afterwards. And then Jessica Pena and Tabitha Ricci fought uh, Baby Shark Tabitha Ricci, and she won by submission. Another submission. Jessica Pena is just it's too too late, too old, and you know she's been fighting forever in straw weight. And she's like she, forty, isn't she? Yeah, and didn't she get like in trouble with drug testing or something happened with her? Or she got injured. There was something that kept her out for like two to three years i feel yeah, like no, she had she had like a multi-year ban, like she had like a legendary ban right like yeah yeah, she, yeah and, she's part of like the older generation like she's not I yeah feel like she, she's, val- she, she's more like like the it's not the same size but like sarah kaufman like that well like, you want know, Gen- young jay check remember that was one of her first title mm-hmm. defenses yeah it was a good and she busted her face open mm-hmm. and this baby shark girl this tabitha ricci yeah tabitha ricci's five foot one she's so little and uh Anyway, she won by decision, and then you had two fights before that that went to decision that I don't have much to say about. There should be a height a height class in uh, USC. You know what I mean? I mean, you could be any weight, but you but you you can't five be above one, like five so two. Li- yeah, <laughs> that's it's a little. That's <laughs> um, you know, we're kind of before we put a bow in this review, what we're uh, bearing a little bit is the whole Jake Gyllenhaal Roadhouse thing that was going on in the weigh-ins and on this the show the the prelims were really weirdly timed and there's all this time in between the pay-per-view and the prelims i was like i wonder why they scheduled it like this it was still four fights but it just seemed like they did less commercials and left fluff and just had the fights go really fast and it turned out they were they had to make time for this fake roadhouse mma fight mm-hmm. just like they had to make time for the the weigh-ins wasn't that an interesting thing they did especially because jake chillinall's you know he's a star and so just seeing this whole involvement was not to see a fake fight in the middle of a real f- pay-per-view <laughs> was weird. <laughs> well, they they did it too, right? Uh, I want to say one of the one of the Rocky movies, one of the more modern ones, like in 06. Oh they, yeah, they recorded that at a like you like the audience is just the audience that was at the fight that night, and they recorded you know, a whole bunch well, of scenes. That's how they did the wrestler, like the mm-hmm. whole at ROH shows. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. did two of them and the CZW show. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I I like that concept from a from a filmmaking uh, uh, perspective. I, I like I like the way you Google Jake Gyllenhaal right now. It says Jake Gyllenhaal delivers wildest knockout from UFC 285. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's interesting they picked that one ref to be in the movie too, the older guy. I uh, I also thought it was interesting the filming technique because they it feels like if you're doing a movie, which I've done in TV mm-hmm. shows. You would want multiple takes, but you can't for whatever reason. They just go in there and do the one thing. And even in WWE, when they would do these home, like the SmackDown tapings or whatever, like Vince McMahon notoriously has stopped matches, like between Rhino and Tajiri or whatever, and restarted it. And and he did that with Macho Man. Have them go back out. He would have them go back yeah. out there. Yeah. Macho Man and Ric Flair. And it just feels like you really got to nail it. Mm-hmm. Well, again, I'm speaking from the 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 Rocky thing that I watched the DVD extra on 14 years ago. Um, I, I want to say that the the point is not necessarily to capture the whole fight; it's to capture really the building. I think 
and and get shots in there, and then you know they get supplemented in there. So I think I think there is room for error. Um, I don't think it's just that that one take kind of thing. I think it's more about filming the environment. Right, and it depends on what they're using this for. Like, if for instance, if this Jake Gyllenhaal fight and the way and all this is just part of like a news program in the background of a montage, House, yeah, or a montage, right? Yeah. Like at the beginning, like explaining why he went from this to being the bar back at mm-hmm. a roadhouse like place and i guess conor mcgregor's in it as do, well do, uh, let, let me go on a quick rant do we need all these remakes i know this is like an old take from like 15 years ago but like it's not like we can't access roadhouse right. you know what i mean like why do we need a new roadhouse terry funk's not in it so i don't yeah he's not, he's not you know choreographing stuff and all you that. know i've never seen that movie no that's no I, I, i'm surprised like that's this is like that no, would be i'm not really a swayze guy no um, no. I, I don't know if I really am either. I mean, I don't buy him as tough. Is it more, you're more into Ghost Swayze. Yeah, like, I like that's Ghost. More, Ghost. Ghost's a great movie. Yeah, but that's yeah, that's more. Ghost is his. scary. The ghosts in Ghost, like the bad guy ghosts who oh go that dude, the yeah, dead, they're terrifying. Like whatever those things are, yeah. you never quite. Th- that one dude is scary to me too. Well, that guy who yells at him and was like, it was not my time. Like, he's a great actor. But, like, yeah. there's, like, ghosts that you never physically mm. see, but you hear. Those were... Anyways. Uh, and then he's actually dead now, so that's kind of weird. Yeah, he is yeah. a ghost. Uh, I, no, we don't need this IP remade. Just like we don't need Peter Pan to be remade in live-action Disney+. Plus. Did you see that that trailer was released and everybody's just bashing it all to hell right now? No. It's great. It's a new year, so why not treat yourself to a PW Torch VIP membership and get these shows with the ads and plugs removed and a ton of VIP exclusive audio shows such as the new Focus on AEW and Focus on WWE series that I record throughout the week dedicated to a focused look at WWE news and a focused look at AEW news along with commentary, analysis, and Q&A with VIP member listeners. Plus our post-pay-per-view VIP exclusive roundtables and so much more. Plus over 35 years of archives of podcasts, radio shows, newsletters, articles. Check it out, pwtorch.com slash govip. Tells you all about membership. So why not make 2022 the year that you enjoy all the benefits that come with a PW Torch VIP membership? No, I did. I, so I was at a I was at a birthday party for a little kid the other day and watching the new Lion King that came out like in 2019. Yeah, and it was almost shot for like I almost I knew what was going to happen in every shot, and I'm like, why don't they just like just do a run of the original Lion King in it theaters? Sucks. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't need. And they're they've talked about this constantly. How it's easier just to recreate an IP or well something that's already successful. That's that's what it is. But, right? but you could say that Marvel's trying to create new. Side characters, but that's failing terribly for this, them. This two point and I'm I, I like I can't stand Marvel in one point so I'm it's not like exactly 5.0. An, an expert. Yeah, yeah but this, this, whatever the whatever version they're doing right now, I think I don't know if they hit the saturation point or what they did, but not like I think the superhero movie may be dying in general, right? Because DC can't even the Rock couldn't get DC going. Well, those are bad movies though. Like the problem with them, but, but, is but that uh, that's they're... what I'm saying. Like, is, are they saturated on ideas too? Yeah, they're bad movies. They're bad characters, and um. Even Black Panther, you know, I I know that it's not the everybody loves that movie because of the the, the remembering the the actor and um, who originally played Black Panther and everything like that. That and they did that tastefully, and it's good for that. But some of the main characters and some of the the pacing, and you can argue that Namor wasn't used as effectively as he could be. I'm not saying I didn't like the Central America 
origin and stuff all that was fine but it's just like you know it, i don't know it just people liked it but there was criticisms of it and there's always criticisms of superhero the movies for god's sake they're superhero movies but mm. i i think that this crop of films and ant-man 3 especially is alienating people and to go back to the roadhouse thing it looks stupid why is jake gyllenhaal the main guy in roadhouse yeah I he's mean, less intimidating than swayze i was gonna say if if like if you're saying Swayze is not really that guy at it, I don't know. Gyllenhaal's kind Donnie of Donnie Darko is in Roadhouse. No, kind of a chameleon though. He can, but he yeah, he, he does have like a like. What's the? He was so good. Nightcrawler. At, yeah, he was so good in that. Like he was born for that role. Like, but was, he wasn't a badass though. And no, I, I no, hate he, to be typecasting people, but wasn't he in another fight movie too, Gyllenhaal? Yeah, he was in Southpaw. Yeah, yeah. and people he did really good in that as a boxer and everything like that. But again. Being a boxer, like people look like normal people who are boxers and MMA fighters. You got like, uh, what's that? That nerdy guy, Ryan something, Ryan Hall or uh, the jujitsu guy. Like that guy could probably be in the real life roadhouse. He could guard a bar and like take people out. But for a movie, it might be helpful to get someone who looks kind of has a Swayze vibe to him. Swayze, Patrick Swayze for everything, for nothing else. He was cool. Mm-hmm. In yeah. these movies, and well, well yeah, and that's never been Gyllenhaal. Like Gyllenhaal's more of a like a vulnerable actor, I feel like, and that's it, that's more of like how he was able to be in Southpaw um, and all that. Yeah, versus, yeah, I can see, it. I can, I can see that. Um, I, I don't know, Rick, you, you you could probably do the Roadhouse sequel, right? Like you you have experience in Roadhouse type of activities and stuff. Yeah, when during COVID, I was working at my grandparents' bar, which was basically was, Roadhouse during that era. <laughs> yeah, it was Roadhouse, but me walking away from the fights and like having my hands <laughs> over my eyes. I saw a fight where a guy punched another guy full force. Uh, they were both sitting at a bar, and this one they didn't know each other, and one guy was bugging the other guy, and the, the guy who punched the local was a military guy who had just got back from the Middle East and probably shouldn't have been in a public bar drinking at the time. And he beat the living snot out of the local guy. At one point, I was looking down at the local guy, and he was looking up at uh, a foot that was about to come down on his face. And after the foot came back up, the guy's lip was completely split, split from the bottom lip all the way down to the tip of his jaw. Uh, that sounds like a good fight. Last night, though, would you say this pay-per-view is a rewatchable if you know the results? Yes, uh, I'm actually going to rewatch the Midvent as soon as we're done with this podcast while I'm getting ready because I just want to relive it. I I think that this is one I'm glad that ESPN Plus, it doesn't have the Showtime policy where mm. you watch it once and you're done. You're never watching it again. I think I think I would like to revisit this, not only because of the pay-per-view is so good, but I had a good time watching the theater with Dante. And I think sometimes like when you can associate how you watch it and I'm sure you would too, because mm-hmm. you probably had a good time. You're just in your element. The only thing that and this is the nice thing about sports is like you can just focus. Like all the stuff, all the noise going on outside, you can just focus on what's happening there. Just like movies. And um, yeah, I think that that's definitely one to rewatch. And it's nice too, because I haven't felt that way about a UFC event in a while. I was even, I think I was telling you on one of these mm-hmm. shows we did that I haven't rewatched a fight in such a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's it's kind of like that pro wrestling thing, like maybe say whatever it's like WrestleMania fourteen or something like that. It's not necessarily WrestleMania great... seventeen is the one well, I rewatch. Well, seventeen's a great show though. My, my my point though is like you know fourteen is not a great show, but it's fondly remembered 
just because everyone had such a good time watching it. You know, it's the night that Steve Austin won the championship. You got Undertaker and Kane. Wrestling was really getting hot. That's a, that's a lot of the, the Mike Tyson thing was going on. It's the time that a lot of people checked back into wrestling is is that night. So I think that show's not great, but it's one of the great shows of all time because people have such positive feelings associated with it. Yeah. And I, I, I think there's a lot of pieces of, of art and uh, and sports that, that have that. Um, you know, if you if you watch it without context, you probably won't, wouldn't understand what was so great about it. The Crispin Royal Rumble is the one that for me is that where I rewatch it and I liked all the matches on it for mm-hmm. the most part. And and they're not actually that good. I I, I actually share that with I share you because I just like I had that DVD and watched it a hundred thousand yeah. times as a kid, um, like almost on a daily basis. So I just I, I that whole era actually like WrestleMania twenty is not good. I've seen it. 200,000 times though. Um yeah, even, know, and yeah. and the back the backlash that is very good the next month I've also seen several times. Uh too bad there's a murder in the main event of like all these shows that I'm talking about. Um okay. So, speaking of murder, no that's not a good segue. That is not a good segue. <laughs> there's no nobody's associated with murder on this next topic. That's just me being a lazy host. Uh, speaking of lazy, let's talk about next week's card. Fairly deep Which has card. nothing to do with lazy cuz all these guys are workhorses. Yes, so there's a lot of six-pack abs. Um, and this, so, uh, this is, this is a funny weekend, Rick. We have, uh, on one card, we have Nomega Madoff and in Bellator. Oh no. I, I thought we, wait, in Bellator, do we have Usman, uh, Usman fighting? In Bellator? I'm not even, I didn't even know there was a Bellator card coming up. You're way ahead of me on there. I was looking at the, the UFC fight night that I might buy tickets for. Oh yeah. No, I think. I want to say, who's the who's the who's the uh, Usman in Bellator now? It's his brother. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I want to say I, I have it in my notes that he was fighting this weekend, and now I my tab uh, got messed up. But yeah, anyway, that lends my really long-winded way of introducing this card. We have a lot of good fighters in the in this card. Like this is not a card with great matchups, but there's a lot of fighters that you know, um, and it's a card that Rick may or may not be in attendance from. It's going to be in Vegas, but with people. It's a small card in Vegas with people, so something we don't get a lot. We have a, ma- a massive main event here as well. Piotr Jan and Marab Dilveshi in the main event. Piotr Jan, of course, right at the top always of Bantamweight. Another guy I don't think we always took so, so seriously, and he kind of got cut up in the weird Aljamain Sterling fights. Most recently, though, lost to Sugar Sean O'Malley back in October. So he's looking to get back on track. Arguably. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and his fights are, are generally good. Going up against uh, Marab, who's also like just extremely dangerous. Um, hasn't lost a fight since he lost to Ricky Simone, of all people. That's a weird factoid. Back in April of... There's a name I haven't thought about in a while. I thought about him last night. Um, I'll be honest with you. Because there was a guy with a mullet in one of the corners. I want to say it was Grasso's corner. So, so I just thought of Ricky Simone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But that that's a that's a hell of a main event, Rick. A hell of a main event. It really uh, is. Jan looking to get back on trap and and, and Marab to uh to stay there. What's your what's your it, analysis of this it, fight, Rick? It's gonna be Jan not doing a lot in the first round and a half, trying to collect the data and then implement it. There's a siren in the cops are coming for you, Rick. <laughs> get yeah. that take it before they haul you off. Are you talking about what you think about it? I'll see if this passes. <laughs> All right. Um yeah. As I said, this this is a, a super important fight, I think, for both guys as well. And that's what we like. We like matchmaking that actually has consequence. And this has consequence. 
Bantamweight's a mess. It's been a mess for like three years. Jan getting back on track would help somewhat clear up that mess, or him completely losing would also help clear up that mess. So there will be a clear up of mess either way. And for uh, for for Marab, it's it's like this fight to really make him a name, make him a player. The problem is, is him and Aljamain Sterling are training partners, right? And Sterling doesn't want to fight him. So I feel like Sterling's going to go against Cejudo. If Marab wins this, he's number three right now. He'll probably become number two or one. He would then have to wait for Sterling to go up and wait or what? So I think Jan, if he gets back, he still always will be an interesting fight against Sterling. Or if Cejudo becomes the champion, that'll be fun too. Uh I think Jan is a good fighter and he's violent and he has good takedown defense for the most part. I think Marab's going to try to take him down, and Jan's just going to try to lay it in on him in the third, fourth, and fifth round. Both these guys have cardio for days. This could be a somewhat tentative, boring fight because they're just both so good, steel sharpening steel sort of situation, but I'm still really looking forward to it. Mm. Like I said, super. I, I don't really care about the quality as much. I mean, obviously, I wanted a good fight just for entertainment purposes, but this is just a super consequential fight, and that's, yeah, why, but- that's why I'm into it. Both these guys have Jose Alde on their scalp patch, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good thing to have. You don't have to wait for the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show to find out what I thought of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown each week. You can check out my reports that are updated live throughout Raw and SmackDown at pwtorch.com. My written report will tell you what's happening in detail in case you missed the show. And it'll also analyze key segments and give my random thoughts and quips on what I'm watching as it airs. So check it out every Monday night and Tuesday night at pwtorch.com. That also applies to WWE pay-per-views. I cover those live at pwtorch.com with a detailed written report with star ratings. And of course, you can find other TV reports from other contributors to PW Torch, such as NXT, ROH Impact Wrestling, and more. Check it out, pwtorch.com, your first stop for TV and pay-per-view written reports. Uh, co-main event, one of your favorites here, Alexander Volkov, Rick, taking on Alexander Romanoff. A couple of Alexanders cutting it up here, Rick. Who you got? Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember who Romanov is, and he's number 13. That's so sad on my part. Uh, possible to be another boring fight. We'll see. This is It's sad, but it's this kind of fight that keeps me from paying the extra bucks for a live ticket. Mm-hmm. You don't want to watch them lay on each other for, for 15 I just I just don't have but much faith that Volka, Alexander Volkov will be in an interesting fight. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, me neither. You got Ricardo Hamos and Austin Ligo. Sayed Nurmega Madoff taking on Jonathan Martinez. There you go. Victor Petrino and Anton Tur- Turjak rounded out the main card. Some names also, though, on the prelim that you would know. Tyson Nam. Oh, we have a, we have Akbar Nurmega Madoff. The women's fight, I think, has the most known fighters on both sides with Ariana Lipsky and J.J. Aldrich. You got Mario Batista on this thing and Rafael Asensio versus Davey Grant. Remember Rafael yeah. Asensio? Remember yeah, remember Rafael like, Asensio? He was, was like about to be... Uh, yeah. yeah. And then he lost against, I think it was... Was it Sterling? Cody Garbrandt. Well, he lost against... No, he got lost against TJ as well. So he, he had a couple of the... Yeah, yeah, UFC 200. But that's when he was in the middle of that run. No, he Yeah, he beat Aljo... Yeah, he beat. Yeah, he had a he had a nice little run. He beat Sterling. I, I remember him losing to to Sterling, but it's the other way around. 
he beat he beat Sterling, Marlon Marais, and Rob Font in that little run, that four fight winning streak, and then yeah. then he faced uh, Marlon Marais again and got choked out. That's what it, okay. And then Corey Sanhagen, he's like the one Cody Gabrant win, and of course uh, Ricky Simone and his mullet beat him back in uh, December of 2021. So been a little bit of a rough road, but but even that, like his, I'm looking at his record. I thought it was worse than it is. I mean, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't lose four in a row, and he didn't win for two years. So that's not good. Um, I think it's those split decisions, though, where it's had a negative like feeling uh, towards him. And then he's 40 now, which also he was not that old, not that long ago. But I just I just feel him more as just like a 2015 fight, fighter. I do, uh, too. Yeah. He, he didn't fight in 2015. Like he's going to be one of those guys who gets out of the UFC in the next year or two, and it'll just barely make MMA junkies Instagram posts. Yeah. Uh, Darren Till is on that list now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we could talk about that for five seconds. Um, probably the right move on his part. Yeah. Yeah. It, didn't, it seemed like he he had definitely reached the ceiling. Um, and so we'll see we'll see what he does. Well, you don't it, give people too, things too quickly when they're too young. Yeah. And with that said, I think if, if he wants to continue fighting, though, like he's enough of a name that he could probably do well uh, um, somewhere else if he wanted to to continue his career. So I think that probably is going to work out. Uh, Speaking everyone. of fighting in other places. Mm-hmm. Did you see that bare knuckle boxing has got a hell of a card coming up and on April 29th? Did you see all the fights announced? They just came out with a poster. Let me see it. Um, I can just tell you. Okay, it's ahead. Mike Perry versus Luke Rockhold in the main event. Oh, yeah, Rockhold. That was the big thing this week. Yeah, Rockhold. And then Chad Mendez versus Eddie Alvarez in the co-main. Happy 2012 on that one. I might actually order this, <laughs> like depending on how much it is. Well, like I want to see the, I, I want to see like that fight would just be decent, like in Bellator. <laughs> like that would be a good yeah. fight in general. I'll Chad watch a bare knuckle boxing fight of that. Like, hey, I'm not above it. And hey, speaking of things that I might watch, uh-huh. um, so I was talking to Dante, and he said that the slap pay per view is now going to be on Rumble, Rumble for free. <laughs> yeah. I'm watching that. I'm going to watch it. I haven't seen a single episode yet. Yeah, I'll watch their pay-per-view. If it's free, on, I don't even know what Rumble is. is it it's, an, the, it's it's right-wing YouTube. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's, it's, all, the, all, the, all the guys that get banned on YouTube, they go to Rumble. Like, they got this weird like, freedom kind of... It's, uh, it's, it's, oh, it's, my God. I might get into also. Rumble. It's, so it's stuff also. that doesn't make it on YouTube? Yes, but it's. I don't think it's as... Um, you're making it sound like it's going to be like this. It's uh, like I'm making it like, sound funner than it actually is. Yeah, it's, it's really it's, it's a it's a bunch of old white guys like hawking uh, erectile you're, you're making it sound like um, the dark web of YouTube. It, it is. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. Oh, is it? Yes, that's, that's what it is. You might I be can't very much into I'm, it. Yeah, 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 you know about, yeah. So every, no. every 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 like uh, you know guy that gets like and, and it's hard to get banned on YouTube. Like a lot of other social media sites, it's like not that hard to get banned on. Um, but you is, I mean, YouTube has a pretty high threshold, the content they'll allow. And it's, it's not actually people that get banned on YouTube. It's people that are taking like moral stances against stuff on YouTube. And then Ooh. they, uh, and then they end up on, uh, on rumble. Uh, but, but ultimately that's what it is. The, the thing about rumble where it's, where it's created the more of the controversy is they actually have a lot of, uh, like shows that they feature, so to speak of, of content creators, you know, how like, like YouTube, even including myself, that you're in like a partner program. So you're, you're just like a revenue sharing agreement with YouTube where rumble has that as well. But rumble has like some actual content creators that are like have major contracts with them. Um, and exclusive. So I think that's part of where the rumble propaganda comes from. It's more like, it's a marketing thing to be like, you know, don't be on YouTube, come to rumble. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, 
I'm going to watch it. Rumble and uh, your radicalization in the process. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. It, 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 it's, it's like when in that Family Guy episode, when they tell Quagmire about uh, porn on the internet. He's never you don't see him it. for a week. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, no, but I'll, I'll definitely download the app to it, watch. That's not a good sign for the old Slap League, though, right? That they're on... Like, that they can't even... Well, I guess they couldn't make it on internet YouTube. streaming, like, yeah. Well, could they not make it on YouTube? Is that is it... You think it would get banned I, on YouTube? No, I just think the politics work out. Um, Rumble's probably paying them. Rumble Rumble, Rumble, and Dana White's political leanings are very much yeah, in line. So I, I think... I, hey. I think it's... That versus putting it on YouTube, yeah. Versus that versus YouTube. I don't think I don't think the slap content wouldn't fit YouTube. Uh, like like what's allowed on YouTube is much uh, much broader than what's allowed on TBS. You know what I mean? I do feel like YouTube though lately has been pulling the censorship strings a little bit. Not that okay. For instance, I watched a crew, true crime documentary about something. I forgot mm -hmm. what. It was just you know a murder, and um, they couldn't say the word rape. Because yeah. that's what he did. So what? He, what it and what it is is like it's not that that content is disallowed on YouTube, and it's a pain in the you ass. You get demonetized. So, well, and what it is is because there's just too much content on YouTube. So you have, you have the AI is not smart enough to figure out the context of what you're talking about, and so you it's and it's a hell of a process when you get a, a content flag. Um. So so just the AI hears that word, um. So it just it discounts the video, like altogether. Whereas the the content of that video is is likely a pro like within YouTube's terms right. of service, you know. If you're talking about like a a criminal, right? And so if this, it's something he did, a lot of news channels actually have suffered with this because like what is what does news cover, right? Well, crime, like you got the well, I think crime what, war those kind of things. So, but it is it's so because they use these bots though, it. And what it is is like a few years ago, some advertisers, I think, understandably, like had their ads run on like a Nazi <laughs> channel, and so they were like, "Hey, you, you guys need a police." That what's nice about YouTube is you can be a content creator and not have to deal with directly with the advertiser. You know what I mean? Right. Like the ads that run on my videos, like they're always in Spanish for some reason too. I don't know what's up with that, <laughs> but but that's just the Your last you know, name. Yeah, they they connect and location, but they connect. They 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 do all YouTube does all that legwork. So. I get it somewhat from their perspective. They they need moderation. You know, they need they're responsible then for what goes on the platform. With that said, with with it just being a bot, the bot is not intelligent enough to to find that context. So that's where uh, YouTube is. And honestly, what it leads to is a lot of just really poor YouTube videos uh, yeah. being made because you you can't really have some of those intellectual um, discussions. Uh, you know, because of 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 how the how the bots. It's also why your titles are sometimes very weird on YouTube. Because the AI, you know, detects it through um, through titles, and if that's someone's actual income, if that's you know their actual job, obviously having a video monetized is uh, is important. I, I got flagged on a content for a thirty second video the other day, and it, it, that was actually very. I had to submit it though for manual review is what you have to do. But like I'm a tiny little creator for someone that's their actual income. That three days that my video was stuck in manual review could be the difference, you know, between like paying your rent and not. So right, you know, YouTube YouTube's not a great platform. That 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 is why. I think there is probably a marketplace for an alternative, maybe, but at the same time, YouTube, especially with this integration with Google, is like so big that I don't think you know. I, that's why something like Rumble has to brand itself. I think as like ideologically different than actually as just. Again, we're place, excited about it. Another place to uh, to watch YouTube, which I don't think YouTube necessarily has ideology um, in that way. It's it's more PR from the Rumble side of things. Um, okay, 
Let's uh, let's transition to an email here. Speaking of movies and content here, we got an email. The email address, as mentioned earlier, MMALivecast at gmail.com. It's from our friend Josh. He says, hey, hey guys, hope all is well. I'm looking forward to UFC 285, but I too will be waiting late Saturday as to whether or not I purchase it or not. As you read, this event will have already happened and John Jones lost due to Gone outside interference from Daniel Cormier as a referee and distracted by Gone's That's really crew. funny. That would have been great. That would have been great if DC would have... <laughs> it would have done the deed there. Just imagining it, it's funny. Oh, it's so fun to think about, right? The chaos that would have ensued. I took a stroll through the Tubi app and found quite a bit of Stone Cold Steve Austin movies. I have added them to my playlist and intend to go through them. This will only last as long as I can tolerate these horrible looking movies. My first watch was The Package, which also had Dolph Lundgren in it. Oh boy, that movie was bad. Convoluted plot line, bad acting, bad action scenes. It had it all. Other great titles of the list include Hunt to Kill, Damage, Recoil with Danny Trejo, your buddy Rick, Ooh. Knockout, Tactical Force, and Chain of Command. I look forward to, sort of, to watching these movies. Maybe after watching these, I'll get a better understanding of why Stone Cold Steve Austin didn't hit it as big as other stars, like Dwayne Johnson, Dave Batista, John Cena, The Miz. Just kidding. The Miz, the Miz gets work. The Miz gets work. Who transitioned from wrestling to acting. What are your thoughts on what it takes from a wrestler to transition into a successful actor? Boy, Josh, do you have like the algorithm of a conversation Rick and I could have for like three hours if we wanted to? Uh, first of all, Rick, what's your assessment on why Austin didn't make it as an actor? I I haven't watched the movies that have been listed, but I can only imagine he just did not have the acting ability. Um. So according to him, he just didn't like making movies. And that could be it too. Because he didn't like there's... the the set like set etiquette, all that stuff you know about Rick. I don't think he yeah. liked that. Yeah, Austin was not easy to work with in the wild world of pro wrestling. So you can see that he's done plenty. He, he does TV. He seems to have no issue with TV. Is there like an appreciable difference, Rick? You think between what doing... TV does he do? He hosts shows all the time. He's always hosting. Yeah, but those you show. shoot really quickly, and or he comes in for a block amount of time, and then they shoot right. all the supplemental footage. Like on a movie, your schedule has to be dictated and you could be in your trailer writing forever and there's a lot of things that you just it's the hurry up and wait game thanks for listening to our podcast did you know we also have a website pwtorch.com daily news updates editorials and my live tv coverage covering raw dynamite and smackdown and my live pay-per-view coverage for wwe and aew Create a tab or bookmark, make it a daily stop, visit us throughout the day, every day to keep up on breaking news and more. That's pwtorch.com. Yeah, and I, I don't think he, uh, yeah, and and again, you're, you're Steve Austin, you don't necessarily have to do those things. I don't think, the thing about Steve Austin, he doesn't like being second place or like bottom on the chain on anything. That's why his wrestling career ended, because he didn't want to do that. I remember WrestleMania 28, he was working on a, I think it was like the grown-up sequel or something like that, which he's, he's hilarious in that, by the way. Um, and he was, saying, he was saying like he didn't go to WrestleMania because he didn't know if he had the clout to ask for it off on the movie set. And I thought that was kind of funny, like right. thinking of Steve Austin, you know, who we think of as a big star, but in the movie world really wasn't. Now, remember like 07, around there, he was... Uh, he was kind of he had the condemned thing going and he was going to get there he's got the look obviously and he's got the kind of vibe um i thought he was great in the longest yard i i think though his strength in acting would be more in a comedic way uh because that's actually what he's really good at what he's uh, of 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 putting that like the stone cold charm into that mm -hmm. humor um yeah so it's like, I, yeah you know i ahead. think what worked for the rock and what worked for batista and what's worked for john cena is like you said the comedy aspect the issue with stone cold just being stone cold in movies is that 
that badass kind of Clint Eastwood vibe only goes so far and then you have to actually be able to act mm -hmm. and yeah Bruce like Willis when, can actually act believe it or not yeah right Batiste and Bruce Willis used to be a comedian too mm -hmm. when Batista was in movies where he was the heavy no one really thought about him you know he's in the James Bond movie he barely mm -hmm. had any lines no one really remembers him being in that like that was his one of his big breakout roles even after the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff his role in the um the sci-fi movie that just dune no mm. one really talks about that it's because he's like reverting back to like just being the menacing tall authority figure guy and and that was that movie just came out a couple of years ago he he was still just he, he was drax already and mm. so and no one talked about that i feel like he found his role in Drax and John Cena, wasn't he in a romantic comedy with Amy Schumer or something like that? Yeah, yeah, train wreck. That, yeah. that was his big breakout star. And for The Rock, yeah, he, he did well as the Scorpion King and that probably was his big breakout. But I feel like more The Rundown, was that what that movie was called? Yeah, then, that was kind of a flop though. It was, but it just showed he can act and be cool. The the that movie was a flop as well. But he started it, and he he just started to expand a little bit. I have the opposite take on The Rock specifically. I think you're right on the other two because like John Cena wasn't G like the the Marine was just too generic. He had right. to be like the guy or in the blockers of I don't know if you've seen that movie. Cena's great in that movie. He like he's 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 amazingly funny. Um, and then like you know all these dramatic roles that Batista's involved in. I actually think it's the opposite with The Rock. Rock's career wasn't going well or wasn't going as well when he was trying to expand his horizons. If you actually look at the trajectory of his career, it's when he just goes into the Fast and Furious movies and just is The Rock that his career actually took off. That's true. Yeah, off. you're right. The it's Rock also, on steroids. It all, it's pain and gain. It's all those early 2010s movies where he just becomes the biggest movie star in the world. It's all of those movies that but, really launched him. Now he's a good actor in them. Like it's not like he's a bad actor. But, but what it, was it, but what all, was he in Pain and Gain in um, the Fast and Furious movies? What quality did he have besides being the Clint Eastwood buff? Mus muscles. <laughs> he was funny. Yeah, no, he's a good actor. He is a good actor. Yes, well, not. I don't think he's a good actor. I think he's funny. He's entertaining though. But he's yeah. He's yeah. he's fun. Like, and I think but, that's but, the one thing like, that's like even that crappy movie with Kevin Hart that people in my house want to watch every freaking day, where he's like in the CIA. Oh, like okay. the, the the joke is that he's that he is funny, but he still is the he's very he's like the superhero who's also like silly. Well, and he was one like the other guys with Will Ferrell and Matt Damon, he was in that and he was funny. I think that what the success, my answer is the successful ingredient for wrestlers, even Hulk Hogan, when he was Mr. Nanny and all these other movies, <laughs> he was like, they act like badasses in the wrestling ring, but even in wrestling, they're funny too. I think mm -hmm. ultimately what really puts over a baby face or a heel is humor. And it doesn't mean they're good actors, though. Like, I don't think The Rock mm -hmm. has ever really been a good actor. I think Batista has the ability to be a good actor. I heard he was good at knock at the door and stuff like that. I just think the humor of the... And maybe that's something Stone Cold didn't necessarily always excel in when it transitioned to the movies. You said he was funny in a movie, mm -hmm. but... I think also, sometimes wrestlers take themselves way too seriously, and Austin I think they're definitely in that category. Yeah, I think the writers take them too seriously. I think the movie takes them too seriously, and it comes off as a comedy, and it's not intended to be like mm -hmm. these movies mm -hmm. that you listed that the Stone Cold's in. I bet almost ninety percent of them could be in the comedy category, but they're not intended to be. 
the yeah, and the funny thing about Austin is that like he he is hilarious, but it's because he's actually very awkward. Like that's actually the because he's this big tough you know Texan, and then, like he's clumsy as hell and and you know falls getting into the ring and stuff like that. That's part of what makes Austin and Austin has great comedic timing too. But I I think Austin was back to the the original thing. I think Austin Austin couldn't stand the the scripted wrestling world when he came back from his injury. Like Rock was pretty good at that. And he always says that's when the the system kind of he doesn't know what changed it, but when he went away with the long injury after Survivor Series in '99, that he came back and that like the system they have now started then he and he really hated it. I think, like honestly, theater as we keep going back to theater and so like theater would be a better avenue for someone like Steve Austin because I think I don't think he likes the scripted reading of lines either and like and and that humor side I don't think he can really come out the the humor side comes in when you know him and Kurt Angle are sitting there with acoustic guitars and little hats right. And he's well, and the, the part of the laugh is it's 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 Steve Austin doing these things. The problem too is I know the Rock always looks the same in all of his movies. Like they showed like six different Rock mm-hmm. movies where he was in the jungle and just different color T-shirts and <laughs> yeah. stuff. But and Batista looks generally the same and everything like that. But in some ways they're chameleons. Like that is a compliment to them. You can paint Batista and he would look somewhat the same, but you can still play that off the Rock. You put a different color T-shirt on him. He's a different character. He's mm-hmm. in San Andreas now. He's in He's whatever, but I think I think Stone Cold with his goatee and his bald head and everything, he's, he's think, not a chameleon. Think, yeah, and you couldn't if you shave all that off or put a wig on him, he's not Stone Cold anymore. And and how 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 often can he just be the the disgruntled sheriff in the small town in every right. movie? Right? Yeah, yeah. No, it's I think I think the the point and to the bigger question that Josh had here, it's range, right? That's that's the key. It's a good point. Yeah, is, is range. Uh, Batista has range. Batista has range. Yeah, it's it's within a certain uh, paradigm. Maybe I think say, like same thing with Cena. Like I don't think Cena could ever play like um, I'm trying to think of like a skinny act. Like S- Cena could never cross over with like Pete Davidson, right? Like he could never have Pete Davidson's career. But Pete Davidson could also never be like what Cena is. And 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 physicality is is a part of it. But Cena's got range. Batista's got range. Rock has, even within that, what I said, Rock has uh, range. Like, I don't think Miz has range. I think Miz is just good at, like, the media side. But I think Miz is more of, like, his future is going to be a host of, like, you know, a, a famous talk show or whatever the versions of those um, are in the future. We, me and Wade talked about this on his podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. How It's funny how this, both, both are genres of a certain level of acting, but they're not really compatible with each other. The, the acting you do in wrestling, like an act, uh, an actor can't do rest, like an actor can't cut promos and a wrestler can't necessarily, you know, take, uh, take set design. So it's, it's, it's unique, man. It's just, yeah. a, you got to hit a, your mark. You got to say your line and you got to do as many times as the director wants you to. Right. Whereas, you know, like someone like a Steve Austin, who's used to, you know, well, we, we screwed that up now. How do we get out of there? You know, and I have to figure that out. Um, right here that I would be interested in really Austin doing like an expanded podcast and why the movies didn't really, uh, because he had a successful media career, successful mm-hmm. podcaster, you know, hosting all these shows. Um, he's, he's even hosting the WWE shows that are on Sunday nights. Now I think the, on the A&E shows, like he's got a role there, but, uh, so he, he has many multimedia talents. It's just, uh, I, I, I would, I do want the Austin album though. He's a bad singer, but I, I wish they would have come out with like a full Austin album of him doing like just horrible country songs. Yeah, I would be more interested if there were cover songs into country songs. Yes, yes, that's what I mean, though. Yeah, so if he did, like, just songs that are done by uh, Taylor Swift and stuff and just sang them in a country vibe. (laughs) That would be amazing. Oh, my God, I need to get some AI software and just have Stone Cold doing Taylor Swift's songs. Yeah. (laughs) 
Hater's gonna hate, hate, hate. <laughs> <laughs> Player's gonna play, play. <laughs> you know, um, I think it'd be funny after listening to Stipe in his interview with me. Yeah, if you want to hear the most awkward UFC interview ever, listen to him and Megan Olivia yeah. after it was terrible. I think I Stone make a fight. So you hold me. Well, he was just like, yeah, you know, I'm ready. You'll, you'll see. I'm not going to. It was just so he was so defensive. It seemed like he was so annoyed he had even been asked a question. I think it would be funny if Stone Cold did all, like, cut a promo for Stipe and then had just had Stipe mouth it, like La Parca style. Like, I think that would be great. <laughs> He'd be there. Or just, yeah, be as well, much. Goddamn, John Jones, you got your one thing. Yeah. He... Yeah. <laughs> Stipe doesn't have to say anything. He's going to go in there and crack a can of whoop ass. If there wasn't such a stigma with wrestling, that would be a great, like, job for uh, wrestlers, like, post-career. Like, instead of, you know, the guy that, like, at the UFC Apex Center, or, you know, like, that guy. Like, that guy's fine. I'm not I'm not trying to put that guy out of the job. But what if you just had, like, Steve Austin doing those wraparounds? Like, wouldn't he? Wouldn't Steve Austin be able to sell UFC fights? Wouldn't Wouldn't you think so? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm or surprised he, they never offered Chuck Liddell that, but Chuck Liddell doesn't have really Chuck, the Stone Cold voice. Verbal, yeah, he, he was the Stone Cold of MMA. Like that was always the analogy, but he doesn't quite. That's because like that's part of why Austin I think is really good on those reality shows because really what in his role on those reality shows he's a hype man basically for the show. That is that is essentially what uh, he does, and I would just think like you could use you could use pro re- pro wrestlers are pretty good at selling fights, specifically Steve Austin, and so that I think there you go, Steve. Give me give me a call. I got a whole new career for you. I'll put you in touch with my good friend Dana. We can set you up, Mister Austin, Mister Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, do, did we miss anything, Rick? No, I got to run. I got to go to see AD, AEW. I got to go uh, pay a lot of money to watch on my couch. There you go. Um, so that is going to do it for us this week. For Rick, I've been Robert. We are done. We are out of here. Stay safe, and we will talk to you next week. PW Torch is now on YouTube. Check out our relaunched, revamped, and reinvigorated YouTube channel after many years sitting dormant, collecting dust. And now it's back, shinier, brighter. It smells better. It's our PW Torch YouTube channel. And you can check out daily news updates the weekly fireside chat with Tyler Sage and Zach Hadorn, and my Keller commentaries. The first Keller commentary was my rebooking of WrestleMania 38's lineup. I used all the same wrestlers, but none of the same matches, and I tried to make a better two-night event. Decide for yourself. Go check it out. YouTube.com slash PWTorch. And be sure to hit subscribe and like our videos. One benefit of VIP membership is access to our back issue library, contemporaneous, in-depth, insider reporting on pro wrestling in real time over the past 30 plus years. And throughout the year 2022, we're going to begin our march through the year 2002 with back issues posted each week 
in PDF and all text formats. You can read it in a PDF format with our original magazine slash newsletter style layout on your screen and flip through the pages, or you can read a straightforward all-text format on your phone or tablet or laptop. The back issues early in 2002 covered the arrival of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Hulk Hogan to WWE and all the controversy that came with them. Plus my cover story that broke the news on the planned launch by Jerry and Jeff Jarrett of a promotion called TNA. Also, the early 2002 features are 2001 year in review features, including ranking pro wrestling's most influential power brokers and our Torch year-end awards the year in quotes, and the top 50 stories ranked in order from the year 2001. So go VIP and dive into our back issues. We have most of our back issues available as soon as you sign up with new back issues week by week from the year 2002, one at a time throughout the year 2022. pwtorch.com slash go VIP. pwtorch.com slash go VIP. That's pwtorch.com slash go VIP for full information and our sign-up form. It's more than podcasts. It's an unmatched library of wrestling history spanning more than three decades as soon as you sign up with more issues added throughout the year.